What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts here every single week. My name is Mitch Oliver, and with me, as always, I have... I'm busy. And today, we are welcoming back a very special guest. You first heard him on The Terror Table in 2018, after we were set up for a meet-cute uh, by our friend and former guest of the show, Jason Hamill. And uh, from that moment on, from the moment he referred to his foreskin as a wizard sleeve, we knew we were destined to become great friends. Since then, he has joined us for a conversation on Lamberto Bava's Demons a year or so ago, and uh, he has mentored me from the beginning stages of of me directing my first short film, including flying out to the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, to be on set to help us out, to also flying to L.A. to support us and our film at ScreamFest. He has helped me establish myself as a working professional in Vancouver in the Vancouver film industry, and he is a DGC accredited director who has now directed 11 feature films, and I think seven of those have been in the last two years. So we are thrilled to welcome back our friend, Nicholas Humphreys. Oh my God, that is the best introduction anyone's ever, ever uh, given me. Thank you. That was every, that's lovely. Every time I see you, that plays in my head. So I was like, I figure I can put on a little bit of a show for this one. But, and yeah. you have your own website with your name in it. It's you true. You have your own website. It's true. And I have to say, uh, Mitch, uh, going, to, you know, when I think back to meeting you guys for the first time um, and then the the journey that was the Druid's Hand and seeing you, I'm, I'm like just got on the show, I'm already going to get emotional, but um, you up on stage at, at Scream Fest um, after the screening was just like, it was such an amazing um, thing. I may have cried a little bit, um, but yeah, just so fucking proud of like everything you've done in the last couple of years is just insane. Thanks, man. Well, truthfully, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to, we're not going to be schmaltzy the whole time. I promise everyone, but I, I truthfully wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for you and your friendship and your guidance. And I think I would have been close to crying on stage as well. If my ass cheeks weren't quivering from fear, <laughs> that, that was the scariest moment of my life standing in front of like a sold out audience at the Chinese theater and be like, Oh my God, how the fuck did I end up here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and quickly and quickly too, you know, yeah. like you kind of just made the choice to start working on this, this new thing and uh, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you were the one who also from the very beginning put Scream Fest in our head and uh, you know, uh, so many great things have happened just because of that. And it's just been an amazing experience. And obviously you, uh, you not only mentored me through that whole process, you've been such a supportive guide through all of it. You helped me get set up out here. I crashed on your couch while I was looking for places to live um it was just amazing but on top of that you contributed to the kickstarter campaign that got you a episode of the terror table and i'm and, finally cashing in <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding no and uh yeah you didn't need to do that but it's it's well appreciated and uh we thought we may as well make it special because i know boozy and i we've talked about from the very beginning even when we first started bringing people on that like we connected so well with nick humphreys like that was like came out of nowhere we no not none of us knew who each other were 24 hours before you were on the show. Yeah. And then it was like one of those things where I was like, did we just meet one of our new best friends? Like, it, just, it just fit. Yeah. It fit. And then like, you know, we were, we were all like, I remember we were so worried, like, Oh God, he's a real director. He's a working professional. We can't ask him about his foreskin. And then we finally <laughs> did. And you were like, had the best answer out of any answer on the show in the history of the terror table, uh, which is that your foreskin is like a wizard sleeve. <laughs> well, which I, is, I, I 
I hope that I paved the way for, you know, the, the, the future interviews where you interviewed more, you know, prestigious people and were brave enough to ask them about their foreskin. I hope it's, I had a small part yeah. of that. Do you think it's something that doesn't get addressed enough in, in an interview setting? You know what? I think it just, you know, if you don't bring it up in an interview, you've mm-hmm. missed an opportunity. Yeah, really. you'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just be wondering. Yeah, we would have never known if Eduardo Sanchez was circumcised or not. And now we do. Yeah. Now <laughs> all of our listeners do. That's uh, I think, yeah, go back. I think that's like episode in the 180s or something. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, this is also, uh, I don't know if it's official because we've lost track. We've been so bad with keeping track of our episodes, but I think this is episode 250. Is it really? Yeah. It's, it's what we're calling it 250. And this is okay. our, our Christmas special. Um, <gasps> so yeah, that's, uh, you know, we wanted to originally nick was going to come on for our halloween episode but just what we're so busy you're obviously shooting 1800 movies a year um so we we were like well let's make it special let's do christmas and yeah we we put the ball in your court and you came out with a uh that you decided to talk about christmas evil yeah and actually i think it it worked out because you know i mean halloween obviously i think anything that i could have thought of to talk about for halloween you guys have probably already covered um and i was hoping you hadn't covered christmas evil because it's one of my favorites like i i discovered christmas evil before black christmas and i love black christmas but like christmas evil has a a place in my childhood that is very dear to me and watching it back now there's like this nostalgic kind of oh it's yeah i can't wait to get to it um but yeah it just it's it's perfect timing and then also you know the fact that i'm not on my in the middle of my fourth movie of the year i think we were trying to cram it in on a weekend before while shooting and i was like my brain was melting and yeah, so this is this is great. great. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and we also got to mention that Nick is the directing instructor at Vancouver Film School. And yeah, if anyone's listening, just right out the gate, you should be following Nick Humphreys on Instagram and uh, keeping up to date with all the exciting features that you're getting off the ground. Your career is just popping off and it's so well deserved. Love to see it. Love to see it. There, there's no one who deserves it more. So it's I'm very, very excited for you. And I'm just excited for us to, we, we do this all the time. We hang out, we go to haunts. We're this Friday, we're going to go to a, a Christmas themed haunted house. I'm so excited. I didn't a, even know that this a was crunch. a crime. Yeah. Crunch. It's like, a, it's like, a, like a, I think it's got a, like a Krampus kind of theme to yeah. it, too, right? It's right. like, it's, I think they, they normally have like a Halloween haunt and then they just like Christmas fight it. But like, this is the first time I've noticed it happening in Vancouver. Someone sent us the link and we're like, well, we've got to go. We've got to yeah. get the to go. So Absolutely. I'm to see what that's all about. It's going to be cool. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think we can just, before we kick off everything, like we're just going to talk about what we've been seeing and what we've been like, you know, reading, watching, anything like that before we talk about Christmas Evil. But generally, I think it's safe to say, like, because we know all of us love Black Christmas, the original Bob Clark back Black Christmas. How do we feel about horror Christmas horror movies in general? Well, it's my favorite subgenre of horror. Yeah. Like I love Christmas horror movies. My sister and I used to back in the day when you know physical media was the thing, we had a stack of DVDs that would go into the Christmas decorations and then come out with the Christmas decorations, and they were all Christmas horror movies. So um that's really we- that's oddly smart. I don't know, as opposed to just having these Christmas movies just hanging out on your shelf being festive at the wrong times when you don't want it. Yeah, because they're just- special. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I I love that. I, and I, can, I mean I can feel the built-in nostalgia of that. Yeah. No, and, and knowing Diana more now too, just become a good friend. Uh like you, you guys have so many deep cuts. Like there's so many little horror movies that like even you know, 
nerds who host a horror movie podcast have never heard of. And it's been really exciting, like getting to see your guys's catalog. Like Diana's like DVD binder is insane. Oh, like, yeah. I, she she gave me a copy of Santa versus Godzilla. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. Was that did she have doubles or something? No, it's a classic. I think it was a burnt disc. It was like. I, I honestly I've tried I put it in my PlayStation and it wasn't playing so I'm like still waiting to like I have it I'm planning on trying it out in every console right. I can you're, find you're on an FBI watch list now yeah. yeah you probably have to find like a PC it's probably one of those deals where it's like it won't play on like a DVD player but if you play it on yeah. like a, a computer yeah, I gotta find mobile. some kind of relic to play it because like yeah the graphic on it is hilarious it's God's like it's old classic Toho Godzilla versus oh. a giant Santa Claus <laughs> Oh my God. I don't yeah. think I've even seen that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you, Boozy? Obviously we know you love black Christmas, but Christmas horror movies in general, what are your thoughts? I think there are a lot of good movies that happen to happen on Christmas. And like, yeah, I, obviously I love black Christmas, but I don't feel like overall I'm super into Christmas movies. Cause I'm not just generally a Christmas person in general, but there, there are some, some really good Christmas, you know, I can even think of films like, I know I haven't watched it in a while, but like I want to watch P2 again. Like, uh, oh, yeah, AT- P2. ATM is also, I mean, we recently uh, we talked shit, with The Lodge a couple ATM. times. Uh, it's yeah. a Christmas movie. Is The Lodge like, a Christmas movie? I've only seen yeah. it once. I think I got to watch that again. That it, one well, I and that's the thing is it's peripherally because they go away on a Christmas vacation. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Like, there's, I'm pretty sure even the new film Smile, there's like a pretty heavy scene around Christmas. So now people are like, oh, it's a Christmas movie. Smile's a Christmas yeah. movie. Prometheus is watching... technically a Christmas movie. I watched yeah. uh, uh, the the uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's Adam's Family the other day, and it begins yes. with a Christmas Carol. Yep. So, therefore, I mean, it ends on Halloween too. So it's kind of like an all sorts of thing, but I would argue right. that's holiday viewing. Yeah, absolutely. You got him on a technicality. <laughs> and there's obviously like, you know, with Halloween, there's Treehouse of Horrors is always like essential viewing. You got to watch a couple episodes of that. But there's so many amazing Christmas episodes and like sitcoms and like TV shows. And a lot of them end up like, you know, dabble in horror a little bit. And I don't know, there's there's just something about there's such a macabre nature surrounding the idea of Christmas. That's what makes it so that's what I think I like about it is like the dichotomy just shouldn't make sense. It's mm-hmm. like supposed to be this cheery time of year. And then you get to see some really like gnarly and grotesque things like what we're going to talk about in Christmas Evil. We're just depraved. And uh, I love I love that when people can play with that kind of dichotomy. Well, and it's dark, you know, it's cold, it's isolating because everybody's kind of trapped inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, obviously this has been discussed to death, but the lore behind Christmas when you go like way back into in, like different parts of the world have like very dark lore around the origins of Christmas and like, yeah, you know, fucking Krampus and like even Santa yeah. Claus is kind of spooky. Like this idea, I mean, the idea, if you take the the twinkle lights out of it, it's a, it's a really spooky idea that there's some man that's been watching you all year round. And then, you know, at the end of the year, he's and he, he invades your, your home. House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he might fuck with you if you've been like naughty. Like, I don't know. It's it's I think it's ripe for horror. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, awesome. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to and then, uh, we'll talk more Christmas in the main feature, but Nick, have you, have you watched or read or seen anything recently that really stood yeah, out what's to new you? with you? Yeah, I've been watching, uh, well, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've managed to catch up on since shooting wrapped, um, has been stuff that, 
you know, you guys have discussed, but um, I saw Smile when I was in LA for your uh, screening, um, which, you know, I loved. Incredible first uh, feature uh, from that director. Yeah, I think um, we haven't even talked about that yet. I talked about it on our Mulholland Drive episode, but like that's when I wasn't like, it just didn't seem like my kind of horror. And I went in like kind of like feeling like it just wasn't going to be my type of thing. But that movie, I, I it was great. Like I really liked Smile. And yeah. uh, it surprised me quite a bit, especially near the end. Like it gets gnarly. Yeah. And I think it's just, yeah, there's something that felt sort of prestige about it. You know, like yeah. I was expecting, you know, one of these things that Blumhouse has been like sort truth of or dare. Lately. Yeah, that's yeah, what we, we thought like, it was going to be truth or dare. <laughs> yeah. And I would have like watched it on, you know, demand or whatever. Yeah. But like, I was really glad that I went and saw it in the theater and, and was hearing people, you know, react to all those moments and, I like the creature towards the end. I think that was uh actually have you gone back and like have you guys gone and like look at looked at stills after? Like so much yeah. detail you don't notice at the start. Well, it reminded me a little bit of like that super, super memorable shot in the taking of Deborah Logan. Uh do you guys remember that? Like that's yeah. like the, the one of the best visuals in a horror movie in the last two decades. Like that that movie is like good. And then that moment is it's a masterclass. I think my favorite horror movies this year, I'm just realizing this now, all included giant women. Old like, women. It's the year of the spooky grandma. That's what me and Jason Hamilton Giant about. spooky grandmas. Yeah. What is and that? And there's so many spooky fucking grandmas this year. Like, <laughs> what? where is this coming from? Like, you know, people always like to dissect what people, like when Cloverfield came out, they were like, oh, it's a it's a result of 9-11 and the invasion right. on the u.s so everyone's <laughs> just working out their mommy kinks right exactly now. <laughs> it's like well we had a two we had a, like a three-year pandemic um yeah so spooky grandmas because <laughs> either way i'm here for it it has worked every time that i've seen it this year yeah yeah well so that was the other movie i saw that recently was barbarian which is like I, I just don't even know what to say i, I mean obviously full of spoilers i don't want to like talk too much about it if people haven't seen it but like I don't know. What did you guys think? I thought it was incredible. It's my favorite horror movie of the year. Like, oh, okay, I, good. Yeah, I absolutely love, love that movie. And it's that's just so much my shit, though. Like, I, you know, especially when you, like, start thinking about when you want to make your own things, you start really figuring out what was the stuff that stuck with you while you, like, what made you who you are. And for me, it was, like, so clear. It's Sam Raimi. And mm -hmm. that movie is so Sam Raimi. And mm -hmm. even hearing afterwards, like, interviews with Zach Kreger, the director, who's, like, one of the whitest kids you know he was in a sketch comedy group forever and he was like the writer he was the writer director and star of miss march i don't know if you guys remember that movie it was like a really bad sex comedy that came out in like 2004 was this or like around like sex drive time yes yes exactly it was like a really like sex drive was funny from what i remember this was not funny <laughs> um but yeah no i've i loved barbarian i i just like i love shit that's like so dark and creepy and then goes bananas. And I think that's where me and Boozy differ is you yeah. prefer to stick to the creepiness. And the... yeah, I, Barbarian lost me at a certain point. Not that I don't think it, it was the, a good movie, but yeah, it's for, for what I enjoyed of it, it, it kind of trailed off at a certain point. <laughs> I just love that I was able to encounter it before I knew anything about it. Yeah. Right? It was like I'd heard people mention it and the name didn't get my attention, you know, like mm -hmm. it felt like a like an Oscar movie or something. I don't know. I just looked yeah. like. Oh, that's not for me. And then people kept saying, no, you have to see Barbarian. And when I finally checked it out, it was like, I don't know anything. And I think Mitch, you were the one that was saying to me, it's just like, just don't look anything up. Like, yeah. just watch it. And uh, wow. Yeah. What a ride. Just so much fun. So much yeah. fun.
Yeah. That's awesome. The other thing I saw was, uh, oh, I mean, again, when I was in uh, Los Angeles, I managed to catch uh, the new Hellraiser on Hulu, um, which I was very pleased with. And as a diehard Clive Barker fan for years and years and years, yeah, it's tremendous. Uh, It's just, I, and you know what, like even that first sequence where you're seeing the guy get strung up in the background, you're not even really seeing what's happening to him. You know, it just sets uh, the, the what's possible in the movie and it creates a sense of dread that carries you through and yeah I just thought it was it was masterful you know which I would yeah. think the, the franchise needed so badly because it's so rich and perverse and creative and it's yeah. just been dragged through the mud yeah. in the last couple decades so it was like it was great to see it treated with respect uh, Nicholas, I have to ask, since you are a huge Clive Barker fan, and I recently was watching a video about this for some reason. Do you remember the Jericho game? Yes. That, that he made? Do, do you remember anything about that game? Like, I was watching somebody talk, like, do a review of it. And I just was like, oh, I forgot that this game kind of sucked. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a gamer, but um, my partner is, and I often watch a lot of gameplay. And sometimes if I'm, like, intrigued by a story, I'll watch mm-hmm. a playthrough on, like, YouTube or something like that. Similar thing. I think, you know, in my recommended videos on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, they did a sort of walkthrough discussion on Jericho and it was like, yeah, that kind of missed the mark. <laughs> yeah, I just I liked even just listening to them talk about it. I'm sure we probably listened to something close to the same, but talking about just the the differences between, you know, you can be like the best horror director, but you, you know, it doesn't translate to making a good <laughs> video game because there's so many variables. His ideas are too big for this world. Like that's why it's a miracle when they ever work out. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like, you know, and you can be the best, you know, horror writer or horror director or whatever it is and not hit it out of the park every single time. Yeah. Stephen King doesn't knock it out of the park every single time. Right. I think we can all agree that he's a master. No, we just, we don't say anything when he misses. Yeah. When he hits it, we all clap. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with Clyde Barker is that like he's that guy's got a wild brain. Right. So it's just like sometimes it's going to it's going to work out and sometimes yeah. it's not. And Jericho is one of the things we'll all collectively forget about. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out our friend, uh, former guest of the show, Chet Czar, who went in Clyde Barker's hot tub and said that there was like he's like, it's exactly what you would expect. Clyde Barker's hot tub to be like the water was colored like blood. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh my God, that just being insane, being Clive Barker's hot tub. Wow. Yeah. I, you know what? I met with a producer. I can't remember what company it was from. I was in LA like about a decade ago and my agent at the time had set up this meeting with someone who knew him. Um, and I'd mentioned that it was a fan and this the producer was just saying that like, you know, a lot of people in horror kind of put on a, a persona, right? So like, like Rob Zombie has got this thing where he, he puts on the Rob Zombie character, you know, Clyde Barker just is that guy, right? He yeah. lives and breathes all that bullshit that he talks about. And he's just like, he's, he's 100% yeah. you know, Clyde Barker. And I thought that would make me scared to be in Clyde Barker's hot tub. I think I'm a good candidate to be in Clyde Barker's hot tub <laughs> yeah. on the other side. And that still, I think would be a little, uh, terrifying. <laughs> yeah. No, him and, uh, HR Giger. It's another one that you just know that guy is exactly what you expect. Boozy, do you want to tell us about something you've seen recently? Yeah, I actually want to talk about something I watched a while ago. I'd forgot to bring up, but because I think I saw something about this recently getting a sequel that I wanted to talk about it. So this is from a while ago. I watched 1988 Sorority Babes in the Slime bowl Rama. <laughs> so a... Finally, finally, we're getting a sequel. <laughs> 
so this yeah this is from two th- or yeah from 1988 it's a horror comedy uh, about a nefarious imp that gets released into a mall uh, with a bunch of babes and dudes and they have to battle it um, was this on tubi yes it was <laughs> <laughs> this is yes. a Tubi classic. Yes. I I had seen the cover for this and had heard of this film quite a bit, but I had never seen it up until a couple of weeks ago. And let me say, it is a and it's such a basic idea for a film. It's basically just like uh, everything you can wish for uh, isn't always as it's perceived, and it's just kind of the consequences of hanging out with a badass imp. <laughs> what did you say the title was again? Uh, sorority babes in the slime bowlerama. It's because they're hanging out at a bowling alley for the sl- start of it. But yeah, apparently there's supposed to be a sequel coming out next year. I want to say. Oh my god! Well, I'm yeah, have to catch up on the OG, I guess. Yeah, it all hail Tubi, which always has the good stuff in there. You know what? And I know you guys talk about Tubi a lot on this podcast, but like Tubi's got some great titles that nobody else is carrying. Yeah. Like, oh, hundred percent. Tubi is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I did a movie for Tubi this summer. Yes. How We're was, talk- how was working with Tubi? Ah, uh, fantastic. I, I was only really in contact with one executive <clears throat> uh, at Tubi uh, and she was fantastic. She really, uh, I say like trusted trusted me and let me make a lot of sort of decisions because the script we were doing was it was challenging to do uh in the timeline that we had and so she just was like it's all you like you know I trust you uh-huh. do what you need to do just you know make this the coolest it can be um which was an incredible amount of freedom from an executive usually they have like you know very they're, they're very involved right and they want to see things a certain way and so um yeah I'm kind of hoping they asked me to do another one um because it was a lot of fun to just like get super bloody I mean we've been I've been playing in rom-com world a lot lately so like to actually like you know cut someone's head off in a movie it was just yeah. my soul and actually yeah. <laughs> I got I got uh what was it uh went into Facebook jail during the shooting of that movie because one of my actors uh father was also my real estate agent. So I knew her father and then I know her as well. And he was asking if he could come to set one day. And I was like, yeah, you, you should come uh, when we're cutting off Gigi's head. <laughs> <laughs> and then I opened up Facebook like an hour later. And it's like, you've been locked out of your account for violating our community standards. <laughs> yeah, you're on a list now. Oh my yeah, can't see that kind of things. Did, yeah, that, that happened to me where I was talking to our stunt guy saying that I was like, I promise I'll set you on fire one day. <laughs> and I got flagged for bullying, but it's like, no, he he wants to be set on fire. He likes it. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> he asked for it. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. and shout out that that's uh, your friend and the star, one of the stars of your your film coming up, Gigi Saul Guerrero, who's just blowing up right now, uh, oh doing the next VHS movie, and uh, yeah, just did Bingo Hell, and yeah, just an incredible. That's a person that's just it's so cool seeing good people have great opportunities and crush it. I saw her for like three minutes today. We kind of crossed paths at the film school and she had just gotten back, I think from delivering something with VHS. And then she was heading to Columbia to go shoot this like huge biopic on some famous Colombian musician. So she's just yeah. like, if we Crushing ever see it. her again, uh, but yeah, no, we love her and we're very happy for her and all of her successes. Cause she's just, you know, so talented and so sweet and just, you know, has worked 
her butt off for it and really yeah. deserves it. So we're all very proud. no doubt. Yeah, you can see her frequently throughout 101 scariest movie moments on Shutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the talking heads in that doc, which I I haven't even talked about that on the show, but I watched all of that and I loved it. Like yeah. um, I love all that, like Eli Roth's history of horror and and uh, yeah, that one about 101 scariest movie moments was probably the best thing they put out yet. I think. And Gigi's in it a ton. Oh, cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, cool. I'll, I'm going to knock one off. And like Boozy last week, you spoke about a, a novel you read, Max Brooks' novel. Um, I'm going to talk about a book that I just finished, which is Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking by Charles Band. What do you guys know about Charlie Band? Charlie Band is the king of Tubi. This is the man who started Full Moon Pictures and Full Moon Pictures is the, the company that put out like Puppet Master, uh, Trancers, pre- the Prehysteria movies, Boozy. Oh my fucking God, I love Prehysteria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, but originally like, he started Full Moon after Empire Pictures had folded and Empire was started with like Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2 and Reanimator. That's um, the house that Ghoulies built. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, like Charles, Charlie Band, he... He directed Trancers, uh, The Ginger Dead Man, Parasite. Oh, I love that movie. Talk about yeah. good Christmas Christmas horror movies. The Ginger Dead Man's a classic. Oh man, <laughs> and it, like Nick, this is one I highly recommend. It's the the audiobooks on Audible, and it's fucking fantastic. Confessions of a Puppet Master. This book was so good and so entertaining, and really inspiring. But overall, just like fun to spend some time with him. Like, he's a really interesting guy. He was like putting out. 18 movies a year clearly just wanting to turn a profit but he also loves it like he he's the guy who created puppet master and like you know those evil bong movies which is like you know that stuff doesn't interest me to to watch all the time but there's a time and a place there's an audience for that yeah totally and like i he he speaks so openly about like all of his all of his experiences like one of my favorite chapters was him just shitting all over gary Busey. Uh, while he was making the ginger dead man. And it's funny because like, well, it's not funny because obviously we know now that Gary Busey's been like, it, it It sounds weird to say that Gary Busey was canceled because it's like he did that himself by sucking and like not getting roles. Um, but apparently he was just like, yeah, an absolute pervert and just a deviant to every woman on set and such a creep. And uh, But Charlie spoke really candidly about that in the book. And um another thing i didn't know which we're gonna have to do a needle drop at this part boozy i didn't know his son is the singer of the band the calling do you remember the calling yeah the one where like the the singer looks like he's 12 but then he's got like a scott stat voice like from creed we've so- we've sat in your living room like <laughs> listening to the calling before singing it the calling is in every cw that one song it's like they're yeah, one hit wonders where the calling has one song go. Like it, it's just so bad you would recognize it oh, down no. but it's just very much a uh a product of its time and i was like holy shit charles the guy who created the ginger dead man and uh, he produced he produced one of my favorite 80s films is uh, Tourist Trap. Oh, shit. Um, love Tourist Trap. That's such a good one. But yeah, he's done like he's got over like 200 credits and like the book opens up with him. He started the book because the pandemic hit and he was bored like everyone else. And it was him reading excerpts from his script Corona Zombies. 
And like, so there is a, he was the guy who within two weeks of the pandemic being a thing and everyone's locked, locked inside, it's changing everyone's life. Charles Band's like, I'm going to put out a mo- an exploitation movie about this. <laughs> while, while everyone was experiencing a pandemic, he was experiencing a bandemic. A bandemic, yeah, baby. <laughs> I mean, honestly, now that you mention his name, Charles Band does sound really familiar. And I'm sure, I mean, I've seen a couple of his things, but like two things. One, you know, working on set with Gary Busey coming at you in an unwanted advance sounds oh like a movie all on its own. Yeah. That sounds absolutely terrifying. But two, <clears throat> you know, regardless, the quality of the movies aside, like mad respect for someone who figured out how to just constantly be cranking these things out. And I'm assuming turn some kind of profit. Like he's, oh. I, I would take that life, you know, like, it's like, I don't, okay. nobody's watching it, whatever. I'm having a good time. That sounds, that that's amazing to me. That yeah. sounds this is going to be the douchiest. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he, that's the other thing though, too, is you can look at it as like, he was just, you know, pumping them out, making a lot of money off of them. Um, but he also loves doing it. And he clearly loves doing it. Cause you know, you don't keep doing this. Like it's so hard making any movies, even if you're that rich, I think like to, to get anything off the ground, is just so hard. So it's like, obviously he still loves it. Um, but this was the, this is what I was getting at with the douchey thing. Did either of you guys watch Entourage? It's no. not, that that show wasn't for me. Okay, yeah. yeah, fair, fair. I watched all of it when it came out because I was a douchebag. <clears throat> but uh, Vinny Chase, like the main character in one season, he owns a mansion in Romania. That's Charles Band's mansion in Romania. Like he rented it out to them for the for the shoot. He he owned like a castle in Romania. Uh, wow. This this dude Is made he so not just much a vampire. Money. Yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah, but it's oh my god, and yeah, he talks about like uh, I'm not spoil like that's things. Even if I were to talk about it for an hour, I wouldn't be spoiling almost anything because the book is so dense. There's so many amazing stories. But, like he was dating Demi Moore for a little bit, and it's like just stories like that. Like he's an he's an older guy at this point. And he's been in the Hollywood system for so long, but in such a unique way because he's he's not making prestige films. Like uh, I don't know. I just think voices like that have a lot of interesting stories and uh it's one of the more entertaining ones i've listened to in terms of like you know wanting to listen to filmmakers tell their stories like highly recommend this one well i'm going on my first vacation since 2019 so i'm gonna get this one and what was the 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 max brooks one that uh boozy had was talking about the foot one. Oh, subhuman S- subhuman i believe it- that's what it is yeah, I'm gonna get those two for my trip. It sound Hell like yeah. holiday listening. Yeah, you'll you'll have fun with those. Absolutely, cool. Yeah, that one I, I spent a little bit of time. Oh, on sorry, it's devolution. My bad. Devolution. Yeah. De devolution. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Going um, the wrong way. All right, but uh, I have a couple more I want to talk about. Let's go around the table. Who who wants to go next? I know Nick. Mitch. We got you like naming off a bunch of stuff right off the bat. But if you got Mitch, something tell else, tell us feel more. Free. Yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of on topic. I don't even know if I want to delve into this because obviously I'm not the, I sort of decided that I wasn't the audience for this movie, but I did finally watch the most recent installment of Black Christmas. And I- Oh yeah, that one. That one. I want to say like, I think if you called it something else besides Black Christmas, it would have been a better marketing idea. Um, I think there's some strong directing in this movie. I think there's some great- visual references in the movie that I was really happy to see. Performances are strong. Um, 
I think it's only fault. And I'm sure, I'm sure this script was pumped out really quickly, but like the subtext was they were saying the quiet stuff out loud and yeah. very <laughs> elegantly. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like, this is what's happening now. And it, and it, you know, I think it it came across a little preachy, but like I and I realized that it wasn't for me. Like my sister liked it and I can see why, but I just also kind of was like, oh, it was like. I don't know. Like, let's let's rebrand it. Maybe let's call it something yeah. else and re-release it in a couple of years, and people will then discover it, and it'll be something special. Maybe with a little bit of a dialogue edit to it. Um, call it Christmas Goo. And... <laughs> yeah, or something. I mean, something that alludes to like the the, the fraternity, yeah, of it all. Yeah. Um, but then it yeah. made me go back and watch the original Black Christmas as a palate cleanser, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> Always the best. Yeah. No. And that's the thing is even, you know, over the years, like, especially when we started this podcast, I was just an angry fucking nerd in a basement yelling at the cloud about movies I don't like. And now I just like want to find some better use of my time and, you know, instead just, you know, get be excited about movies I do like instead of, you know, shitting on something that I hate. Um, but like going back after all these years is like, like learning more about the production of that movie, like how uh, April Wolf, the writer, like, April Wolf and Sophia Tikal, the director, they came on board like a month after they announced they had the poster up, like Blumhouse <laughs> had the poster up and a release date. So yeah. it's like the poster and the release date was up and they didn't have a script. So let's get let's be, go a little easier on these people who had to pump out a fucking Hollywood movie in six months. Well, this is what I'm saying is that like, I think this is a, uh, like but it a, is bad. It's higher than the creatives, right? Like, because I mean, and, and I know this too, right? Like often I'll get a call I'll be the last person that gets called for a TV movie, right? It's like 24 hours later, we're location scouting. Everyone else knew it was happening for a while, right? Yeah. And it's like, you got like two weeks to location scout, get the script rewrites through so that it's something that you can shoot in the amount of time that you have. Like, it's it's a miracle to make a movie. And as you say, and it's even a bigger miracle to make a perfect movie. Yeah. So the pressure of a franchise or like a, a title like Black Christmas, I think is kind of an unfair Wait. Oh, it's yeah, just the the it's such a perfect beast of a movie. Like the original Black Christmas just works so well that it's it's impossible to replicate. That's why I've grown to love Black Xmas because Black Xmas is the trashy as hell version of Black Christmas, <laughs> and I like trashy shit. It's so yes. sleazy. Yeah. Yes, I love that movie. Well, I, I mean, I've always had like a, a soft place for that movie because um it was shot in Vancouver. And yeah, and my- you have friends in it. I have yeah. so it's like you get to watch my friends die every Christmas. So it's so nice. Yeah. And um, you know, it'll never get old seeing the decision to make Billy have jaundice and look like a Simpsons <laughs> character. Oh, and cutting cutting their skin and cutting their skin with fucking cookie cutters. Oh. Making Christmas cookies out of the people. Oh my god, it's so bizarre. That Christmas is like this needs more incest. <laughs> you know what's you know what's amazing about the original Black Christmas? Sorry, we're jumping around between decades here. That like, subtext. I love, I love the fucking like the how progressive it was, right? Yeah. yeah. To go like, no, you're not marrying this piece of shit just because you got pregnant. And yeah, no, I'm you don't having have to an have abortion, fucking baby. Yeah, oh, like yeah. you and and she's the protagonist and she's making her own choices and it just was like. You know, considering that it was like directed by, you know, rest in peace, Bob Clark, but like an old white guy, right? In that yeah. time was so ahead of its time, you know, and it lives, it takes on new meaning now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that movie. It's, it's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect, perfect little, oh God, so good. 
Um, yeah, speaking of which, I'll, I'll knock off. I watched, uh, you know, the aforementioned Jason Hamill and I went for dinner on Saturday night. And then he came over and we watched Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, it's the new Shutter film. Uh, so it's written and directed by Joe Begos, who did Bliss and VFW. Uh, both movies that I was like, like, it's just generally not my kind of horror, but I still appreciate what it is. And uh, I figured this would be more of the same. And it is. Uh, it is essentially RoboCop Christmas, which sounds perfect, you know, in theory. Uh, but I will say I don't I don't I didn't connect with it by the time it ended. Uh, there were moments that I really liked. There's some like really amazing practical effects gore. And there are scenes where it's like the original Terminator where Santa just won't fucking die. Like that's my favorite part about the movie. And like he keeps coming back and he's like a different form of T-1000. <laughs> and he's got like predator vision. and Santa 1000. That's amazing. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, no, I actually, I want to hear what you would think of it, Boozy. It's, a, it's the new Shudder uh, movie last week that they put out. So uh, Shudder's been killing it. I'm going to be talking about another Shudder movie after this. But yeah, Christmas, bloody Christmas. I just think I see a lot. I feel less bad coming on and saying that I didn't love it, knowing that so many other people are because like on Letterboxd, it's all like four and a half stars, four stars. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. If it's connecting for some people, like that's awesome. I, it's just um, and it sounds really funny and ironic coming from me saying that the dialogue was a little crass <laughs> for me because I'm a guy who can't get through a sentence without swearing. Um, but like they they have to have had one of the highest fuck quotas I've ever seen in a movie. Like it, it was getting to talking point like, like Rob Zombie levels. Uh, it's exactly what I'm talking it's about. Edgy it's like, teenager Rob Zombie. It isn't, it's nowhere near as bad as Rob Zombie's dialogue in Halloween. Cause they're not talking graphically about how they're going to skull fucks their right. daughter. But, um, but it's, it is so abrasive. And I think the character for the characters, like they're kind of grungy, um, punk rockers for lack of better words like there's holes it's like a big hangout movie for a large portion portion of it and like they're doing the whole like having debates on what's the best sound garden album and i'm like you know when that stuff happens i'm automatically half foot out the door um but but overall it is super bloody uh so it delivers on the title it is a balls to the wall christmas movie i think a lot of people are gonna like i think the movie that it could be compared most to that came out this year is terrifier 2 which set the bar so obscenely high for me when it comes to this kind of like Terrifier 2 is a crass movie as well. But I felt like there was a there was just a heart to Terrifier 2, which is weird to say. Because Have you seen that yet, Nick? I've, I've been waiting because I, I got to rent it. And so there's been so many other things that I can watch for free that it's sort of been yeah. like pushing oh, down. Yeah. It's definitely on the list because yeah, you're, you're going on a budget. We get it. Yeah, you're, you're going to you're going to love it. Nick but uh but yeah like Christmas Bloody Christmas has some really amazing practical effects gags that I was pretty blown away by the gore is there I just feel like there's some certain parts where it kind of dragged and uh I was I really wanted more carnage less talking (laughs) from these characters and I know that's a me thing not a not the movies thing it's just you know I wanted to see these characters die yeah I, I mean i think that's a good sort of note on a lot of movies is less talking more carnage <laughs> yeah um, especially when you're making like a pulpy grindhousey exploitation yeah. movie like that's uh but at the same time uh the, like the writing was good it was just, you could tell that a lot of the swears were improvised and it was like oh my god can they can they go f- fractions of a second without saying fuck in this movie 
Like what a, year is this? It's brand new. Brand new. This oh, just wow. came out. Yeah. Wow. But uh, with all that being said, I still I think there's there's an audience out there for this. You know, if you're generally a fan of like the super over the top 80s cult movies, uh, this is if you've seen any of Joe Bagos's other movies like VFW or Bliss, you know, like this is kind of what he does. And he's he's found his niche and he's doing really well with it. And I know it seems to be working for him. So. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who would dig it. And it's on Shudder. If you have Shudder, give it a watch. Yeah. Uh, right, Boozy. So Shudder has been consistently stepping its game up this whole year, besides yeah. the Boulay Brothers, which is still great. Thank Do you, you watch Boulay Brothers, Nick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, was watching, I was watching it's Dragula, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were watching that since, like, season one when it, like, looked like garbage. It was but... on YouTube. That's I watched. Yeah, it was yeah. on YouTube and had no budget. And just that, seeing how far they've gotten is pretty impressive. The talent has always been there, though. Like, that's yeah. the thing. that Like, you know, it didn't matter that it wasn't a big flashy show because the the costumes and the makeup and the, they were coming out of those queens and, and kings. They were having drag kings on. Yeah. You know, like they were, I felt like they were super inclusive for that. They were just like, if you're doing something kind of spooky, scary in that realm, then you were invited to that. And I mean, they're even a little bit of a feeder system for like RuPaul because they've had, uh, I think, two or three of who were originally on Dragula have gone on to do RuPaul after. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we first moved into uh, that condo where we were recording the terror table out of when you were visiting Nick the first time. That's where I watched the first season of Boulay Brothers. Uh, back then because like I'd heard about it on a podcast I was like yeah it's just on a YouTube channel and it's like RuPaul but they're doing like Halloween makeup and shit like that and I love face off so it's one of those things where I just like watching people get creative but I I will I admittedly haven't seen any of the latest stuff so I got to get on that the the challenge that stuck in my memory was when they were doing like sea monsters and then they did this like photo shoot down by the rocks in the ocean and like some of those costumes were just like I'd never seen anything like that. And I, and I, I watch a lot of drag race. Like I think I've seen yeah. every country, you know, every season with the exception of like Holland. I don't think I've seen Holland yet, but you know, I was watching like torrented versions of Philippines drag race, or, like <laughs> drag race, Thailand with like, you know, subtitles that were not professionally Wait, is, written. Okay. So I, I'm assuming that RuPaul isn't there for these, but it'd be really funny if they were just had like a translator standing right beside them. Well, RuPaul's not there. I think she sometimes sends like a video to like announce yeah. the challenges. Um, but you, like, okay, I think it was uh, now we're off topic, but Drag Race Philippines, there is a queen that lit herself on fire on stage. Oh she wore this God. like flammable top thing and it revealed a dress underneath yeah. and like singed her eyebrows off and shit. <laughs> like slay queen. Yeah. yeah if yeah. you if you're getting cut after that, like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, I will talk about. I have a couple more things that I've seen this uh, since the last time we spoke. Uh, another one is one that's on Netflix right now. It looks like it's kind of in that top ten or whatever. But I checked out Troll. Oh uh, man, I've been waiting for I've been waiting for you to watch this to tell <laughs> me if I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, so it's a uh, 2022, 2022 Norwegian monster film directed by I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. It's roar utag um sounds right sounds like something a troll would say (laughs) (laughs) was this written and directed by a troll um anyway so it's an entirely norwegian cast and crew for this film and a huge budget Uh, i believe this guy had done 
uh, Tomb Raider before, yeah. and that's why he got greenlit to do this. The Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider, which surprisingly, decent movie. Okay, so I how do I explain this? Um, it's it's like a little slice of Roland Emmerich in this. Uh, oh, this yes. this thing has so many. I swear to God, has callbacks to like Godzilla '98 when I was watching this. <laughs> there is a very super distinct homage to to Jurassic Park in this, which I loved. Um, I it had it did a great job of just kind of dropping in little pieces of lore it it uh, I, i've said this about a couple movies lately and i hope it doesn't come across as like a token thing to say but it has a little bit of like amblinisms to it like the characters are interesting enough that you kind of want to keep seeing where they're going and they add like family members and you're actually are interested it's not just like disposable people yeah um this is a really good film i really liked it awesome yeah, yeah, I agree. I my only complaint, and it's not a complaint because I think it was effective in what it was trying to do, is that like I just really felt for the troll. Like I was like, <laughs> he just seemed know, to like he just didn't want to be there, and everyone kept annoying him. Well, is I connected our... with the troll the most out of all the characters. I mean, I liked all the characters, but like you yeah. know, I just wanted to see. I wanted a I wanted a version of it where the troll kind of like you know went free and found a safe place to yeah. be people. But do you do you feel me when I I say like the Roland Emmerichsnisms of it? Like even down to like uh they they kind of had like the Godzilla homages where it had like the the remember the little kid looking at the troll statue and yeah. then the the you know, the troll comes over top. Yeah, it's like all this stuff like this is like that classic buildup of monster movie tension. I well, think it's just, also all just big allegory for like you know yeah. climate change and like you know humans fucking blowing shit up where they shouldn't be and like yeah yeah it's definitely feels like a Roland Emmerich film yeah so, I, I like, thought it was really good more. but I think I think you hit it on the head where it's like that that Amblinism of it where I think it had more heart than a Roland Emmerich movie like, yeah, yeah like every character that they brought in I was like okay this character isn't just this disposable like uh, you know action hero fodder kind of thing. Yeah. And they were unique too. They weren't, they didn't, it didn't rely on like necessarily, you know, uh, like flat archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. like the characters were distinct characters that were unique in some way. And yet you still recognize them enough to like care about them in, a, in a, yeah. an efficient yeah. way. So, it, yeah, it was surprisingly good. I was kind of expecting garbage. I'm not going to lie, but it, like right off the bat, it did such a good job of bringing you into it. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more like shots it had from like Godzilla 98 down to like footprint shots and stuff like Mitch, when you watch this, you'll be Godzilla like, oh. 98 did not did not claim the footprint. That, that, no, that no, was no, no, no. It's the, it's the way. No, no, no. It's the way it was shot for this. You'll see. Okay. Yeah. Is there like, yeah, someone like checking out a, a hole and the camera pans out and they're in the. The yeah it's where they figure out that it's a little bit bigger they they think they're in like a footprint but it's actually just like a, a toe yeah <laughs> there's tons of shit like yeah you're gonna eat this shit up uh, i'm sure i will that that is one i straight up said out loud while i was scrolling through netflix i was like <laughs> i'm gonna get boozy to test this one out first because i know you're going to this has got boozy written all over it yeah that's awesome okay cool troll um yeah i have a, i have one new one that i watched and then one that we've talked about before i just did a rewatch and i want to quickly mention that but uh the one i hadn't seen before was one that was mentioned by our guest from last week matt blood so he talked about resurrection so this is another shutter original that stars rebecca hall and tim uh tim roth who you know i know tim roth from 
uh, funny games is what I immediately think of as funny games. And like famously, he did that movie and then like never he said he was never going to watch it. He was disgusted by what the filmmaker, by what Michael Haneke was doing. And it's like it's a direct remake of a movie that you should have seen before you signed <laughs> on to this. Um, but either way, I still really like it. I'm doing what now? <laughs> yeah. And and obviously I've made it no secret. I'm a huge fan of Rebecca Hall, you know, uh, Woody Allen sympathizer be damned. But she is a great actress. Our actor she's so good that's and one strike rebecca it is a that's, big that's strike one. against you yeah it's a big strike i can't even talk i love rosemary's baby so fuck um but uh yeah resurrection yeah wild wild ass movie that uh it that, it's a very straightforward horror thriller that you would kind of come to expect uh from rebecca hall like if we've seen the night house which is a movie we talked about last week as well Love that movie. And if you're a fan of The Night House, I think you'll dig this. Um, I'm not sure if either of you guys have seen it yet, but if there's one movie I could compare it to, it would be Men, like the new Alex Garland movie. Um, so I'm very curious to hear what you'll think of it uh, when you eventually see it, because I do recommend this one. I really, really liked it. Uh, so much so that I fell down the rabbit hole of reading all the reviews because I was like, there's a lot of like really negative reviews for this. I'm, I wanted to know where it was coming from. And I had a feeling I knew what it, like, it's pretty obvious when you finish the movie, you're like, oh, some people are not going to be down for this. It's one of those movies that has the, the final 10 minutes are going to have you just shaking your head being like, what? H how do movies get made? <laughs> like, how do some people get their ideas put on screen when they're this audacious? Like, it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's very wild. But uh, the general synopsis of it is, uh, Rebecca Hull is, you know, just a, a normal woman. She's got a, an ex-boyfriend comes into the picture and it's Tim, Tim Roth. And uh, you start to realize that, you know, there might have been some abuse in their past or like right immediately once he gets on board, you start thinking, OK, this is going to be a whole movie about gaslighting. Yeah, it, it just takes a lot of really dark, twisted turns. And it's another one of those ones where Rebecca Hall is the star of the whole movie like she's just so good she's of course has some of her classic rebecca hall monologues that you just will sit on your couch and a single tear will fall from the corner of your eye after watching her do it she's so good and then the movie just goes in such a wild direction like what matt said last week he's like i could have been given a hundred guesses as to what the ending was going to be and there's no way i would have guessed it it was going to be this um it's pretty grotesque uh but very wild it's on shutter i recommend that one but <laughs> I recommend it with a heavy caveat, like knowing that uh, it's one. Of, it's a very challenging movie, and it's. I could see some people finding it kind of boring, um, but I don't know. I was just so into the dialogue was just quick witted, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So that is Resurrection. So, do you think I would like it? Oh man, should, you are. Should I you're check this out or no? to cat. You're impossible okay. to figure out, but actually, probably. I I would say I don't know. Like if you like the I, this, sounds super interesting. It's just like, do I? Should I commit to this? Yeah, actually, you should. Because I just <laughs> want to hear what your thoughts are. <laughs> I want to hear because, oh, man, some of the some of the places it goes. I was just I was out, I was watching it by myself saying out loud, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I commend any movie that can get that kind of reaction out of me. Uh, but yeah, that, so that's Resurrection. Do you guys have anything else you want to mention? You know what I binged? And this is, I think, terror table adjacent um, and kind of falls under like kid friendly horror mm -hmm. would be um, I fucking binge the uh, Wednesday on Netflix. Yes. 
Let's hear I've seen it. so many people talk about that show. It's it took I'd say like an episode or two to really like hook me because I'm such a like I, I forgot how much I love the the 90s installments and so those characters look like that to me and like you know it's a different take um, mm-hmm. because she's older um, and uh, she she kind of like hates her parents when it starts which is just so counter to what I know about the Adams family where it's like yeah they're all trying to kill each other but like they're kind of perfect you know yeah. like they like as as dark and twisted as they are they have like the healthiest family dynamic I think you could possibly imagine. Um, so that took some getting used to, but man, like she did an incredible job. The production design is amazing. The new characters they brought in are incredible. And I cried in the last episode. Like it, like it makes you feel things and I wasn't ready for that. And so I think, um, yeah, like I think we need another season. I think everybody, if you if you like dark stuff, if you like the Adams family at all, I think you're gonna love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a ride. And you can sit and watch it kind of. I mean, if you have a full day, you can sit and watch it all at once. And it's it's definitely that's yeah. worth doing. Bingeable content. So the one thing I have to say with with the, especially the Adams family, because it seems like we've been getting so much of it lately in different forms, is they need to kind of settle on like characters that are going to play these characters that can go into the movies and do it. You know what I mean? Like if that's your Wednesday, then keep that as your Wednesday going to the film. Cause I think that's an issue with a lot of franchises is when you have something like that, you have so many different versions of the same thing. Yeah. You know, you know, like for the long, Oh, you're talking. Yeah. Cause I always forget that those animated movies exist. I just remembered that those animated. Well, well and they, I think another movie just came out a little while ago. Did it not? It's like they're, I don't know if it was live action, but I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm a little out of the loop, but I rewatched Adam's family values Mm -hmm. recently. uh, What I discovered looking for Adam's family values is there's a, I believe it was a made for TV movie called Adam's family reunion. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Like it's actually got an incredible cast. I watched that one a lot as a kid. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've watched the shit out of this. It's almost unwatchable. Like I said, I was like, what the hell is this? And I wanted to make it all the way through, but I just, I don't know. I don't think I was stoned enough. <laughs> yeah. No, and there was like the the new Adam Sandler. Is that the TV show? That it, yeah. that was all done in Vancouver as well here. Like we're, there's always people around our, our studio that are wearing like new Adam's family vests. I'm like, holy shit, I forgot that that was Canadian. I was going to say, you probably work with people that worked on that show now. I do. Yeah. I, there's yeah. a, yeah. One of the PMs on one of our movies was talking about like, he was, you know, helping with the miniatures on that set and everything. I'm like, fuck, that would have been so cool. Like, yeah. you know, I love the Adams family and I watched the first three episodes of Wednesday. I was going to wait until I finished the whole thing to talk about it, but I'm also, I've been very surprised by how good it is. And just, yeah, I'm like the rest of the world that has seen it just fallen in love with Jenna Ortega as that character. Like she is so, so good as it. And I remember like, I read a couple interviews with her before it, it was coming out and the way that she was speaking about it, it was, it sounded almost like she was kind of broaching that this thing's going to be a piece of shit you guys just so you know like she was talking about it in a way that it was like it didn't work right. but then after watching i'm like oh no she might just be in full-on wednesday mode now <laughs> like when <laughs> even when she's doing like interviews she's probably going a little little method with her wednesday right. um, she had to live like eight months as that character i'm sure it's hard to yeah. shake she's well, that, like based you, wednesday female but that's the thing like with w- when you're an actor the, your whole job is to like emote and show emotion and that's the completely opposite of what Wednesday is mm. uh, so knowing that she has to keep a straight face through all this shit is like 
and yeah that's what i've been really impressed by is how creative it's gotten and like you know tim like i'm i know we've talked about a lot nick like tim burton's one of my i love tim burton and uh but it's been a long long time since he's done something that has hit for me yeah and this is by far the closest you know since fuck whatever was before charlie and the chocolate factory <laughs> like, disney like he needed to get away from yeah disney that's not a magic disney. yeah no totally awesome okay well yeah so that's wednesday okay so i have one last one do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we get on to our main feature because this one will be quick i have two things left hit me with one okay so so the first one the first one's gonna be really quick it's not horror but i just had to mention i watched it uh checked out falling for christmas the new netflix special starring Lindsay lohan oh shit. man the lohanisense if that's the lohanisense it's going out with a very very quiet fizzle people love it i'm pretty sure people have loved it like the people who it's made for because isn't it supposed to be like it's hallmark but with Lindsay lohan isn't that what the whole pitch was yeah it it 100% is it feels very much like a made for tv like i i kind of feel worse for this film just that it's gotten such a big spotlight as people being like oh it's her big comeback it's like yeah this is like a made for tv movie you can clearly tell so i feel like a lot of people are going to shred this thing yeah (laughs) i feel like Like, no i feel like they're getting fed to the wolves on it honestly like you know that it was not meant to be front page on netflix Oh, I feel like it has to have been if it's going to be the Lindsay Lohan comeback. You know um, what, though? I, I think that we live in kind of a bubble. And this, this is something yeah. I've discovered in the last two years making romantic comedies, is yeah. that the audience, th- there is just as passionate of an audience for this genre of film as we are about horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And it's almost like, th- I think there's a fine balance because like it, it's not necessarily camp but it's edging it's it's edging on camp <laughs> they and know exactly what it is yes they, yes, they like that they it's corny it. and formulaic like yes. that's that's become a part of the like fun is like well it's like it's family friendly 100 percent. they are singing the shit out of royalty free christmas carols this whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there oh, a man. snowball fight though oh. is there a snowball fight and there's a food fight Yes. you think they're they're wasting time here um okay so i just wanted to mention so if people want to check that out it's totally cool what, what's uh, it called again i'm gonna put that falling in for, falling Fall. for chris failing for christmas what, i don't know that? she gets like it's okay so the loose plot is that lizzie lohan is like rich and f- famous and then she hits her head and then she has to save this little town's like airbnb and because she forgets who she is yeah uh, like this just reminded me of an article that i read this week was uh taylor swift and this is my new pitch for a new movie but this is such a bad way to lead off taylor swift um taylor swift had said that Mm -hmm. if she could swap bodies with anyone in the world for one day who would it be she said guillermo del toro (laughs) now imagine a freaky friday switch (laughs) between guillermo del toro and taylor swift it'll it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> and in this, when you're when so, and and I'm wondering how you're like, um, uh, you know, how, how we put you into this plot where you end up having sex with one of them, but it actually yeah. ends up being the other one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's like a good fuck Mary kill for Mitch. Is like, do you want to sleep with Guillermo and Taylor? I would take Guillermo or... over Taylor any day. I would take <laughs> Guillermo, like Taylor on like the Guillermo's inside, body? Guillermo on the outside. Yeah, or like. 
screenshot this both ways. <laughs> I would take Guillermo. I'm not a t- I'm not a Swifty. I'm not a Swifty. What? You no. you just saying like her. But I'm also to us. it's not even it's not even that I'm not a Swifty. It's that I'm a huge uh Guillermo. Whatever just we so right. in love with Guillermo. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, it's of, oh yeah, Pinocchio. So Jeez. let me let me finish off the other one here. I have one more film to talk about. Okay. Um and this is a 2022 installment, and it's Neil Marshall's The Lair. I've heard of this. Is it good? I heard that it was coming, give, and I was give excited me a second. about it. Give me a second. <laughs> um, have you guys... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming both you're going to say no, but have either of you seen Python 2? <laughs> I've seen Python. I've seen the first <laughs> one, not Python 2. Okay, this reminds me of Python 2. Um how do I explain this? It, this reminds me of like, whoa! I did not know this existed. Yeah, uh, this I, I. It's hard for me to explain because no, this is not a good movie. Um, this this felt like his just like fucking around project. Um, Neil Marshall he wrote this with his wife who is also the main star uh he directed this he also edited this uh he also stars he doesn't star in it he has a cameo in it as like a marine uh this is basically a siege movie and they just gave him a shitload of money to blow stuff up with monsters and suits it reminds me he's great at that that all sounds awesome this is like the worst of his stuff all put together it uh worse than the reckoning dude this movie was i was like offended not offended but like this felt like an early 2000s movie i would have mistakenly rented thinking it was a good movie kind of the way like i accidentally stumbled into seeing uh dog soldiers or the yeah because the the box art looked cool yeah this this movie is it's strange I, i like you know neil marshall has done so many incredible films and is obviously very competent it's just this felt like a fuck around film that he filmed on the weekends with his buddies and yeah there's there's like cia secret projects in this and there's like the classic like it it looked like they just had a bunch of like extras or like pas that they had on set had to just throw like shawls over their heads and hold like ak-47s it was it very much was yeah I, i was very disappointed by this yeah, bummer. I think he probably didn't have as much money as he you probably expect plus because even I know like the reckoning had like no money and that that that's what's so sad is there's guys like him who just absolutely crush it with the descent and dog soldiers and even doomsday was like it looked really good and it's high concept action. Well, so um, weird. He just did like Game of Thrones not that long ago. He, he was like, crushing. He did some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah. But then he did the David Harbour Hellboy movie that was notoriously taken away from him. Right. But that was his like, that was his Hollywood shot. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it sucks because he's clearly a super talented guy. But yeah, maybe he's uh, disenchanted or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. This, this just was like a real bummer to watch. It really did feel like that, like those early 2000s, like, sci-fi network uh like and that's your planet raptor kind of yeah it's just not in a fun way and like from yeah. Neil marshall too i was like this guy knows what he's doing and he's very competent but this just did not 
uh what was the other do you remember that movie crawl space probably not does anyone remember crawl space uh, the old guy uh hi, what was his name um yeah it, it's it's another like it reminded me of crawl space but there is a movie called crawl space with uh what's his name um oh my god as soon as i say his name you're gonna know who i'm talking about klaus kinski klaus kinski yeah um that movie's incredible <laughs> He's like a landlord that's like spying on the women in his building. And he has this little like skateboard thing. Oh, the Kyle Zerovinsky story. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, Kyle. Sorry, It's been a while. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love it when he's not here to defend himself. He's not here to defend himself. What the hell? (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, check out the Klaus Kinski crawl space because it's actually, it's really well done. It's, uh, it's kind of terrifying. Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, I I'm gonna put that on my list. And now just looking at Boozy, uh, I think the movie Crawl Space you're talking about came like 2016. The one I was talking about, yeah. just, I guess it just came out this year. Um, no, I'm talking about like 26. Did. It's got like kind of there's, a alien a knockoff yeah. poster. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of movies called Crawl Space. <laughs> it turns out, but yeah. And then I got one last one that I want to talk about is uh, one that we've, we've talked about many times on the show before, but uh, like I'd mentioned last week, I'm doing this thing where I just try and I try and read a script a day. And I've been like, just reading, just re- pull it, going on like script slug, slug.com and just finding a movie and reading the script and going and watching the movie after. And this week I chose to do the invitation from 2016, which uh, have you, you, I know Boozy's seen this. Have you seen this, Nick? It's like the dinner party movie yeah 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 Yeah. so yeah this one like really stood out to me when i first saw it it's directed by karen kusama who did uh jennifer's body and man she directed the hell out of this movie it's just i basically am just here to say that if you haven't seen the invitation this is one you should be putting at the top of your list uh i think it's every time i watch it it's kind of growing to be one of my favorites of recent memory and a really solid performance from logan marshall green I know Boozy's a big fan of. Um, he's mm-hmm. Trey Trey uh, Trey Atwood from the OC. He's Ryan's delinquent brother. Um, he's also in Prometheus and Upgrade. The dude's a great actor. He's people always call him Discount Tom Hardy. Um, hey, but honestly, you know what? I would I would even be happy to be like a quarter of Tom Hardy if someone. I'd be happy that. to be a quarter of either of them. Like they're <laughs> both incredibly handsome guys. Um, but yeah, Logan Marshall Green basically plays a member of the Mumford and Sons in this like he looks like he's in Mumford and Sons and I mean that as a compliment like that yeah, is a one of hand- the fiddle players or I know one of Nick's favorite things about the terror table is listening to straight dudes talk about how hot guys are <laughs> and, and this is a prime example of holy shit Logan Marshall Green is a right. stud in that movie hey when we see a cutie we know a cutie <laughs> exactly um Kyle Zervinsky yeah um <laughs> but, but yeah, Invitation, great movie, really, really stellar script. Um, and yeah, I just highly recommend it. I know it's one that's been talked about a lot before, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But uh, yeah, fuck, that movie's just so good. Cool. Well, do you cool. guys want to talk about our main feature? Yeah, let's get to it. All right. We're <laughs> going to take a brief break, and then we'll be back to discuss Nick Humphrey's pick of the week, Christmas Evil. I told you he'd be happy that we remembered him. 
This Christmas, Santa's going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas Evil. The non-believers. Watch out! And the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. And welcome to our main feature presentation, where we are going to be discussing Nicholas Humphreys' pick of the week, Christmas Evil, also known as You Better Watch Out, also known as Cuck Santa, also known <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. That was the German release. <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> or, uh, or my personal favorite that I came up with is Better Watch Out, colon, Santa Likes to Watch. <laughs> this is that movie. It's the Christmas movie version of the chair in the corner of the hotel room. <laughs> That's I call that the director's chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off to a solid start. But yeah, we're yep. so we're talking about Christmas Evil from 1980, uh, which was writ- written and directed by Lewis Jackson. Uh, this was his final film credit. And prior to this, he'd only done a few smaller films and a bunch of porno, apparently. Uh, but that was just a thing that, you know, all these directors did back in the day. Uh, lo- lots of porno. Um, but yeah, it was originally titled Terror in Toyland. And um, yeah, this is one that it has over the years has garnered a huge cult following. I know this is one that's uh, uh, become a favorite for a lot of people. And we're going to dig into that because I know that's one of Nick's favorites. But uh, the extent of what I know about it is that this is like John Waters, favorite Christmas movie. And he's notoriously been like quoted saying like, this is the best Christmas movie ever made. And if you know anything about John Waters, the guy's a fucking weirdo. And I mean that in the, mo- the highest praise because um, I like weirdos and John Waters is one of the kings of weird. Uh, but he's, he also like, he did an audio commentary with Lewis Jackson on uh, the DVD release, which I believe, I, I think it was Vinegar Syndrome put this out. Uh, but yeah, there, there's just, the the lore of this movie has grown and grown over the years and it seems people are still discovering it each year some people it's too much for them some people just automatically fall in love with it why why is this what is this movie to you and why do you yeah you have history with this let's let's history with this this. yeah well i mean as i mentioned before it's like you know this is one of the first uh introductions to christmas horror movies that i encountered um and so you know obviously it was terrifying for the time when I saw it but um, as an adult some of the things that I mean I just think it's probably the most overlooked Christmas horror movie because it often gets jumbled in with things like Silent Night Deadly Night you know which famously spawned sequels that have been called the worst movies ever made right and so and it kind of gets lumped into that it's like oh okay Santa with a with an axe you know I've seen that a thousand times but there's something 
special about this movie. And it, it, I think it's a shame that it was his final film. Obviously, the completion and the distribution, something happened along the way. There's definitely a story behind the different title changes. Like he's, I've yeah. seen interviews with him where he's kind of complained about that. Um, but it really does, you know, if you, if you, if you look back on it now, especially, you know, that remastered DVD release of it, um, where it isn't just a, a blurry full frame VHS version, which is the first thing that I saw. Um, the lighting is really stuck. There's a, there's a number of things I think are masterful about this movie. One is the lighting and cinematography. I think the way, uh, you know, they used, you know, the, the Christmas, the, 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 the colored lights and things like it looks like a, like a, a you know, Norman Rockwell kind of depiction of, of Christmas, you know, off the start. Um, the performances are incredible. You know, like um, what's the name played uh, played Harry? His kind of descent into madness is is, and sometimes within a single scene, is just so masterful. The way it hangs on him while he's like, there's one scene I can't remember exactly why he's freaking out, but he's holding this. He goes home. He's frustrated about something that's happened at work, and he's humming. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, I think, and it just progressively gets more and more intense while he starts tearing apart the toy and it takes forever and it makes you just sit and stare at it while he's in there in the dark kind of unraveling and incredible scene um you know there's very that much like the the travis bickle of santa is, yeah was, i just the watched entirety Joke, of this i just watched joker again and that was fresh in my mind watching this i was like oh this is like the original joker like fuck king yeah. of comedy this is what todd phillips <laughs> was looking at because uh, right. yeah it's definitely a uh I, am I saying this? Is this a Sigma movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is very based. Do you know what a Sigma is, Nick? Like Sigma male? Terms. No. But even I need to. I need you to tell me what a Sigma. Because <laughs> I know our friend Chris Hurtado made a whole YouTube channel, YouTube video about Sigma movies, and it was basically like Joker, American Psycho, Fight Club, and like all those like you know dudes who think they're misunderstood. But oh, you know, it's secret... like an alpha. Yeah, like and they relate yeah, to the, the wrong this is, person. This is above an alpha. Yeah, yeah you're a sigma. You're on a different level. Oh, but it's, yeah, it's no... basically just American Psycho. Well, the, and that's the thing, though, is like you know that the whole term sigma, like it's people who are completely missing the point. Like you're you're an absolute idiot if you're watching Christmas Evil and thinking that this guy's sane. Um, and that's like the joy of it is watching how twisted and deranged this whole story is. I can't imagine seeing this at the age that you saw it at, Nick. Because, like, my version of this was Gremlins, which is nothing. <laughs> like, there's still so much joy in that movie. This is a bleak ass, dark, twisted movie. And the children are in so much danger throughout. <laughs> like, he is, like, even before he loses it, he's stalking yeah. his kids. The binoculars. Creeps the binoculars. Me out so bad. You know what? You know what I think is probably the the scariest image in this movie for me though is when he goes to I think it's Mas Garcia is the name of the kid Mas Garcia's house. I love that he sounds like a gangster. Like uh, that's, yeah, that's someone who should have killed somebody in The Sopranos. Yeah, it's such a most memorable name. But no, when he he puts like he's he's watching the kid and then he knows they're coming out and he's hiding in the bushes and for some strange reason he puts mud on his face and his hands and leaves a little print. Oh my god! It's so the, weird. Ball. It's so weird and dark and creepy and like, you know. And and I think you know, it, in the same way that the lighting was kind of melding 
you know, tropes from like horror films and Christmas movies. I think the sound design and the music is doing that in a way that is really unsettling. It kind of, you know, it's like twinkly, lighthearted sort of, you know, Christmas magic with that, that, that drone underneath. Yeah. It's just, yeah. there's so many things in here that I think he would have had like a really exciting career if he had kept going. Yeah. Um, because he clearly knew exactly what he was doing in this film and he was, but he was doing something really original at the time. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, if, if you, people probably think this movie is, you know, just another Christmas slasher and there's so many of them now. Um, and a lot of them are campy and we love them for that. But I think I would argue that there's some prestige to this film that a lot of people aren't aware of. I want to read a quote from Tom Huddleston, who uh, is a writer for Time Out, and he awarded the film a score of four out of five. And in his review, he said, in contrast to most slasher flicks, this isn't about anything as simple as revenge. Jackson's concerns are bigger, social responsibility, personal morality, and the gaping gulf between society's stated aims at Christmas time, charity, hope, goodwill to all men. And the plight of those on the outside, the children, the mentally ill, the ones who don't fit in. It's a great looking film too. One shot, one shot of a suburban street line with glowing reindeer looks more Spielbergian sci-fi than low budget horror. Bizarre, fascinating, thoughtful, and well worth a look. That's crazy. Like Time Out is like, (laughs) it's a real publication. And uh, it's pretty much uh, so many of the things that even you just said, Nick, is that yeah, like the lighting in this thing, they paid so such close attention to all that. Yeah, I was actually I was watching a, a number of different takes on it, and that that scene that you mentioned uh, from the article where the street is near the end, right when he's kind of like he's. You is know, this the Frankenstein moment? <laughs> the Frank. It's the beginning. Santa of the dies tonight. Yes, Santa dies. <laughs> Santa dies tonight. Exactly. Um, but I think you know they, they were saying that that moment where he stumbles upon that one street that was just lined with like hundreds of, you know, glowing ornaments and stuff. And it looks like, I mean, nowadays, you know, in, in a, you know, we have Hallmark movies and we have, you know, lighting competitions that go on in every neighborhood. Like we've seen what Christmas decorating excess looks like, but I think for the time and, and specifically in the world of this movie, that's the first time that anything starts to become sort of surreal, you know, like everything else is sort of firmly based in reality. And then suddenly mm-hmm there's this this idealistic christmas street and then the and then the 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 torches come out which is just like where did did the villagers that's a cinematic choice and only that that has to be because it looks so much better than the, them running around with flashlights well it's true but if you think about you know if, if we start with the craziness of that of the 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 christmas street him getting lost in this like labyrinth of alleys and like encountering the 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 children and the, and the stabbing that takes place there the the lynch mob and then him flying off this is kind of a spoiler alert the best ending there's this and he goes he careens off this bridge and instead of dying he flies off into the sky like santa which seems like it comes out of nowhere. But when you watch it again, you're like, well, if you're paying attention, things started getting kind of surreal and weird when he arrived at that, that street. So yeah. there are theories and I like this theory and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it with this in mind the next time. Um, but you know, in the beginning when he like cuts his finger on the, on the, the snow globe, mm-hmm. there's that and all these like, you know, these dance sequences and these weird things that he has to accomplish. There's a theory that he's completed some kind of magic ritual. Like he summoned Santa. 
that he's become yeah actually become santa because the original santa claus santa would have to have like just been a regular guy at one point and then something happened you know he completed this blood ritual and 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 you know gave presents to children and you know danced like a crazy person and then suddenly you know he completed whatever right I don't know. There's just, there's some interesting theories about this. And I love that it ends in a way that allows every audience member to kind of decide what they think really is happening. I think it's just, Mm -hmm. it's it is, but it's also, and that's, I think this should lead into, I want to hear what what Boozy thinks about this movie. So I think this was the first time you saw it, Boozy. Yeah. This is a first time watch for me. Cause that's the thing too, is like with a movie like this, you run the risk of it being inherently campy because it's about Santa Claus. So it's immediately harder for people to buy into and to allow it to be scary because uh, it's just so goofy thinking about it. But I feel like the, the, the thing that this movie succeeds at that all of the imitators don't is that he's actually threatening and scary leading up into like, it, it, sure, it gets kind of goofy when you see him in the suit, but it gets less and less funny throughout the movie. And that's what I think is brilliant about it. That's what I think I even I like this one. I liked it way more this time around than I did the last time. And I liked it before. Um, but it is one where I was like, I think I, I did write it off like a lot of people like a Silent Night, Deadly Night, because there's so many similarities. And I, I like Silent Night, Deadly Night a lot. Um, but this is just like, it's such an earnest, straight-faced version of it. And there's so much trauma behind it that's like really disturbing. Like I know any kid would be fucked up seeing their dad fiddle or their mom being fiddled by Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a deranged way of opening a movie. And it's like, my God, like, I just, I, I was born in the wrong time. I so badly wish I could go back to the 80s and get my ideas on screen easier. Because <laughs> like, holy shit, like, this is such a wild idea. Um, but yeah, Boozy, with all that in consideration, like, what, do you, what did you think of it? Okay, so yeah, like I said, this is a first time watch for me. And I had to go over to my favorite place on Earth, Tubi, to watch it, which is great. I always love that. Um <laughs> I always want to support Tubi. Um, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, this yes. is a first time watch for me. And it, yeah, like it, you guys have covered so much of what there is to say about this that is like the the best best parts of it. But yeah, I'll kind of go over to is um, I think it's really hard to do uh, movies that are in different holidays. Like there's a, there's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it because you can have so many movies that, that you can say are like built around Christmas or Halloween that don't feel like it at all. And then you can have something like this where, yeah, I think that kind of shines through and maybe it is the, like the subtle undertones of the Christmas music, whatever, but this truly does feel like a Christmas movie. And it is, yeah, it's just bizarre watching Randy slowly decay into, yeah, this, this, honestly he he becomes a completely different character by the end and seems kind of like it's like uh like the hitcher the or like madman he's just you know this this strange force of nature and i think the best parts of this film are once he gets onto that one street in new jersey and you see like i think the one guy he sees is like his coworker that's like a dickhead to him and Reese like standing there talking to all those kids. I think, yeah, like anytime he's around children, it really creeps me out. He's a and, ticking and, time bomb. It, yeah. And it's, you know, that's when you can get those emotions out of somebody watching something that that's the best part of it. But yeah, it's just like kids stay away from Santa. And and then like those kids turning on their parents, like right away, there's like, no, nah, I'm going to give Santa the knife. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's, yeah, you trust it's a jolly old Saint Nick. You trust him over anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And no. you kind of mentioned about the ending of this film. I like, yeah, that was like one of those like jump up and cheer things right <laughs> down to it being like a miniature. It's just like mm, that, you know, and then just watching and then having it be like, and then he took off. It was just, yeah, it's like, what a great way to encapsulate like not just like a, a clever horror movie, but that's like a clever Christmas movie that way. And yeah, what? It's uh, what's that Tim Allen movie where he becomes the Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, this is like the original version of that. Yeah, he just gets fucked up. Yeah, no, totally. It's like... dark because you don't have to kill Santa Claus to become Santa Claus in this world. <laughs> the Tim yeah. Allen movie, you have to murder him. Oh my god, that's true. I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah, technically, this is the lighter version. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I can I ask you guys a question? Because I think I don't. I'm circumcised. Kidding. Oh, yeah. great. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Times two. <laughs> At what point in this movie did you stop feeling empathy for the main character? Or did you uh, ever? I, you know, I really liked when he was like slamming his coworkers about being like capitalist pieces of shit. I was like really into all that. But I think it's once he went back to the factory and just destroyed all the toys. Yeah. It's like he destroyed everything there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if I could pinpoint it, I guess right around there. Uh, but like a scene that stands out to me is like him walking down the street and like yelling and asking the kids what they want for Christmas. And the one kid's like, I want a lifetime subscription to Penthouse. And he like gets triggered and it's like all of a sudden the music ramps up. It's like, Where? yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, like this is he, he's about he to go Joker. Big, he has a big problem with kids like exploring their sexuality at all well you like would too that if you saw your mom getting fiddled by santa once again i I'm guess sorry. but he's like spying on some kid from across the street who's cutting out like the hugest poster of this one chick. centerfold oh that was that yeah. was moss what's his name the professional child hitman yeah <laughs> i don't know i think you know i i it challenged me because obviously there's moments like where he was standing outside the church and, and, you know, he kills that guy and it, where the killing spree begins, where you're just like, you know, you, you realize he's the villain of the story, obviously. And I think, you know, that that's coming, but there's still moments right up to the end for me where I'm just like, I kind of want him to get away. I kind of want him to survive. I understand what's motivating him, you know, yeah. the way that's yeah. right. I think he's a really well-rounded he's both the protagonist and the antagonist at the same time. And I think it, it takes me back and forth throughout the whole movie. Like, I don't, I think the reason why I want to think that he became Santa Claus is because I don't want him to him for him to have died, you know, yeah. like, I kind of want him for him to have lived at the end. And I think that's a difficult thing to do in a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, he was serving a noble cause. And I think honestly, that was the, the moment that made me really feel for him. Uh, speaking of round, when well-rounded character, when he's like getting stuck trying to go down the chimney, I'm like, yeah, I, feel I, you, bro. I, I can't do that either. <laughs> it kind of brought levity to a situation like that because, yeah, it's like he's going Terminator mode, but he's like having a trouble getting it. I think it's just you realize he's just he's got he's taken this he's his he's disconnected with reality if he thinks yeah. he can go down a chimney, and there's something you know sort of upsetting about that to watch somebody kind of. Mm -hmm. you know, go from bad to worse um i think it's also seen the family dynamic too and we got to mention jeffrey demun who plays his brother uh who famously went on to play dale in the walking dead in the first two seasons that ever i know everyone watched at least the first two seasons <laughs> so it's like 
speaking of a Tim Allen connection, Patricia Richardson, the mom from Home Improvement, right? One of her first roles, smacking her kid in. Uh... Okay, th- that is in my notes. Remember when parents could just beat the living bejesus out of their kids on screen? Oh man, that's what I said. Like I was watching with Brandon, he's like, "Holy shit!" You know, like she really smacked him, and I was like, "Yeah, the '80s were different." That that scene rivals one of the the greatest movie smacks in history which is jaws when uh alex kittner's mom slaps chief brody it's like there there are reddit pages just dedicated to that slap because that slap was so brutal and i'm like this around the world yeah she smacked this oh yeah exactly (laughs) keep my name out your fucking mouth Oh but you know what, if I can just segue real quick into just how, because uh, I mentioned earlier that this is a nostalgic film for me, um, A, because, you know, it's been something that I've been watching s- since I was a kid, but also the decorations look like Christmas in the 80s, yeah. right? And it's like, and Christmas doesn't look like it did anymore, right? It's like all those like vintage decorations and stuff are so on point with like what you know, my house used to look like when I was a kid. And so Mm -hmm. it just, it takes me back more than any other movie. And on that, uh, I had read or heard uh, leading up to this, that because this was an independent film, the director had been trying to make this for 10 years. And during that time, he was collecting all of the Christmas decorations to fill up the protagonist's house um, to look at but it was just you know like a guy with a dream wanting to make a movie right and saving christmas decorations for the production design and there's just something really endearing for me you know the like i told you so moment at the end of that where it all paid off you know what i mean it's like okay we're greenlit i'm gonna use all of these decorations you all doubted me <laughs> yeah but like th- this out of out of all of them, like this one, I think the only other movie they lives next to in the terms of it being mean and deranged is Black Christmas, which is like mm-hmm. famously one of our favorite movies. And um, it makes sense. That makes me so happy to hear, Boozy, that you really liked it because, yeah, it wasn't. I, this is one that you just never know if it's going to work in this day and age with uh, the overall like it's just so inherently campy thinking about Santa Claus killing people. Uh, but it's it's done so, oh, so well. Yeah, like at the at the start, there really is a lot of like, how are you going to make that work into a full movie? And especially when you're setting up something right at the start, like the, you know, watching Santa diddle your mom, you know, it's like, how serious and or crazy can this really go? But they, yeah, it's a fantastic job. I, I love just the slow turnaround that everyone has encountering Santa because everybody at the start is like, oh, it's Santa. Yeah, come and hang out at this party or whatever you know dance with me and then it's like oh you're fuck something's wrong with this guy yeah yeah That's so the, it's the, the slow turn for everybody in this is the best part yeah i agree going back to that theory nick that you heard about is that to do with like so is it saying that the snow globe gave him santa powers is that what we're the, the the theory that I was I wish I could remember the YouTube channel that I was watching it on but it was basically saying that it was like a blood sacrifice when he cut himself and then it kind of goes through the sequences in the movie and kind of you know there's something with the dancing and and you know uh, uh, looking out for the children and doing all of these things that completed a ritual this blood ritual to turn him into Santa Claus it was interesting. Like when I was watching, I was just like, oh yeah, that really, that adds up. 
But I mean, that's the great thing about a movie that is sort of, you know, plays with magical realism and then has an open-ended ending. It almost invites the audience to come up with their own theories, right? And they're all right, you know? So, because even at the beginning, like Santa comes down the chimney in his memory, right? He's sitting there and like the Mm -hmm. feet come down the chimney. So obviously that's not reality that we're watching, you know? So it sets the movie up that like things aren't as they appear, yeah. Um, or maybe they are and magic exists in this world. Yeah. It really is the Jacob's Ladder of Christmas movies. <laughs> also, I forgot. Was was the like was the dad calling the kid a sissy the whole time? And the mom's like, please stop calling him a sissy. And he's like, oh, what he's a that. sissy. I felt that. Look at this wussy baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen yeah, that's like, is that what a bully as a parent is? It's like, what do you mean I can't bully my own child? Yeah, I gotta toughen him up. Yeah, why did why else did I read a child? Yeah. <laughs> is this is this the horniest Christmas movie? Because mm. Rare Exports has way more dongs, but I don't think the dongs are necessarily like meant to be like th- there's so much like because even there's a scene where is it he's watching his brother again, or like his kid that his brother's Jeffrey DeMunn's kid is watching, it's like almost gonna happen again. Like you're you're thinking that he's like this kid's gonna. It's almost like a family lineage where they're gonna get twisted. Everyone at a has to watch seeing their parents fool the around. <laughs> yeah, well, because and then he, yeah, he's he's he watches a lot of people having like sexual experiences in this movie, right? Yeah, he watches his brother for a little bit, just kind of yeah, it's really dark. Um, yeah, it starts with the the Santa thing. There's the kid with the penthouse. Was it Hustler Magazine or Penthouse? Yeah, Hustler or Penthouse, something like that. <laughs> With a lifetime subscription to <laughs> Magazine. I just love how quickly he like he's walking and then that he hears that and it just yeah. stops. And yeah. it's like sight. And even when he makes his first kill with the axe, they put in like Halloween stingers. Like yeah. and like how uh, psycho. There's like in the background you can hear like a where, 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 where. Yeah, it's and, a weird synthy kind of what what is that sound? What would you even call that sound? I have no I I I feel like what he's doing, like even you had mentioned before about like there's all like the actual Christmas music. But I think uh, Lewis Jackson, whoever he got working on this with him is like they were messing with the pitch on yeah. all of them, which makes it eerie, makes it yeah. so eerie hearing those sounds. Yeah, the sound design in it is like it's so weird that it's brilliant. You know what I mean? Like it just it, mm-hmm. takes it makes things. it's very unsettling. And I think that really adds to this film being like a lot creepier because i think it is fairly creepy like yeah the last 20 minutes when he's in that new jersey like subsection yeah it's just really terrifying to watch him go around kind of like michael myers it's very much michael myers and it's like it's frankenstein like they mm-hmm. they harken back all yeah, the way i love to the, the mob yeah, stuff, the, yeah the mob chasing in santa claus and that's the only we need a we need a halloween kills edit with santa dies tonight uh, <laughs> that was like half the movie uh in halloween kills but yeah it's yeah it's, it's a great movie i i like it more than i ever have and i think it's going to be christmas rotation for me from now on it's a yeah, classic thanks. for me like it's it's one i don't miss there's other ones that i kind of skip year to year um but i always watch I, i'm trying to like train myself to call it you better watch out because i've only ever known it as christmas evil but i know that the director famously hates the title christmas evil and really ended it to be called right. you better watch out which is a badass title yeah um, 
Christmas Evil, I think, is clever when you realize that it's like a play on Christmas Eve, like yeah. Christmas Evil. That's kind of fun, but it does make it feel a little more campy than it probably is meant to be, though. Too like Silent Night, Deadly Night, it suits it. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess I see what you mean there with it being better. Watch out makes a lot more sense for this story. Um, mm-hmm. And now we have Nick. Have you seen You Better Watch Out There or Better Watch Out? It's a semi recent Christmas movie. Is that what, like it's like a couple kids being babysat or something? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I did watch. I'm that pretty one. sure it's on Tubi, isn't it? Yeah, I love that movie. I, I have the Blu-ray. I'm probably gonna watch that again this year too. It's a, uh, it's twisted. It seems like Tubi has a extensive collection of Christmas horror movies and some that I've never even heard of. So I've really... actually, yeah, I I liked uh, when the end of this was playing. Actually, all the ones that it was recommending after, I was like writing them down or like putting them in my letterbox. Like, oh shit, I haven't heard of this one or this one. They actually look good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a ton. I know one I wanted to do this year because I still have never seen it. But uh, to all a good night, I know that was on be for a while but i i still haven't seen it so i have no idea if it's good um but i know it's one that gets brought up in the same conversation as christmas evil silent night deadly night black christmas yada yada mm-hmm. but uh my, my Nicholas... other oh, i was just gonna say the other the other kind of christmas offering that i would say is my absolute favorite that not a lot of people well i, don't, I think people know about this but the other thing that i watch every year is the christmas i think it's the opening installment of tales from the crypt yes where she murders her husband and there's a radio broadcast that some escaped convict dressed as Santa Claus is, is out on the hunt. And it's, it's like a 10 minute short basically. Yeah. And Christmas carols are playing throughout and it's just, it's perfect. And that's the only other kind of evil Santa that I, for me, I think is like legit scary in a very smart kind of way. And is not, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify that as, as campy. I think it managed to figure out how to treat you know, the killer Santa trope is something serious and terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Nicholas, I had a question for you. Uh, and it is, what is your wish for Christmas this year? Since this is one of our Christmas episodes. I get to make a Christmas wish. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, what's on your wish list for some, uh, some horror movies in the future here? Oh, um, I know see. I'm putting you on the spot. Like Christmas, like, like, scary movies that i get to make or that i just want to exist in the listen world? it's a christmas wish i don't make the rules i'm not a genie <laughs> genie I mean, make I the christmas we, wish you know what i've had like a good couple of years because i tend to i feel like i spend more time making movies now than watching them which sounds really pretentious but it's it's kind of true um i, I did four movies this year two oh wait one of them was a rom-com one of them was a book adaptation uh one of them was a thriller and then one of them was a straight up horror movie um and i always said like you know as at the beginning of my career i was just like if i could do this is why i have so much respect for uh uh the guy the book that you're reading there mitch um uh, confessions of a puppet master yeah yeah, because yeah. i for me like i there's nothing i don't want to be famous i i don't want to be filthy rich but i would like enough money to like maybe just direct a movie or two a year um but i've always said that my dream would be to like direct straight to dvd horror movies that like very few people saw some would fall in love with but like low pressure and just have fun doing it Mm -hmm. um that's always been my goal obviously dvds don't exist anymore but i would just love to get to the place where you know i still like making rom-coms i think we got into this on the last episode but you know it's it's not i i, I enjoy the process of making them it's fun it's easy um 
but uh, yeah, I would just like to do, I would like to do more horror and on my bucket list. Um, and I actually, <laughs> I teach a class on, uh, on uh, career prep. Uh, at VFS and I make them write sort of like just like a list of goals for their overall career um, so that you know they can wake up every morning and and tackle start to tackle one of them right sometimes like I want to be a director is such a daunting task that it can be kind of paralyzing but if it's like oh that one thing I'm gonna like today I'm gonna write a treatment for that idea um, and so I did one myself as an example. And on my list is I want to make a Christmas horror movie. Like it's, and it's, oh, it's because it's one of my favorite subgenres. It's always been something that I've wanted to do. Um, and, uh, and I want to make a haunted house movie. That's the other thing that I really want to do that I haven't had the opportunity to get into. So I don't know, maybe I should stop talking about it and actually sit down and with your, with your Christmas movie, what would be the context of it as a horror movie? Would it be like a slasher? What would it be? I think so. Yeah. 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 I think it's got to be like, not just Christmas adjacent and that it took place at Christmas time. I think it mm-hmm. needs to, um, yeah, well, I would be very inspired by movies like you better watch out and, uh, the all through the house, uh, you know, installment of tales from the crypt. I think that, you know, we've had real killer Santas in the world. I watched Mm -hmm. a YouTube video on it the other day about like people who dressed up like Santa and and either were like mall Santas for part of the year, but then, you know, behind the scenes were killing people or actually killed people dressed up as Santa Claus at Christmas time. Like, it's like, it's such a scary idea to me because it's like, here's this character that we've been raised to believe is this like merry, safe, you know, but the idea behind it, if you, if you just, you know, put a, a scary soundtrack on it. This guy's watching your kids and breaking into your house. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. So yeah, I think some kind of killer Santa thing, but like would not, I would want to avoid any camp with it. I'd want to treat mm-hmm. this seriously. You want to be straight up. I think so. Yeah. San- Santa Claus, that. Santa Claus is the new clowns. Like it's think about like even, you know, it like back in the day, it wasn't ridiculous to have clowns show up for kids' birthdays or go to children's hospitals. And it's like nowadays, it's like, can you imagine like how pissed off a child would be who's like, you know, dying and has like one wish that they want to meet like a famous basketball player and a clown comes in. It's like, <laughs> <Flat> <laughs> yeah, just dead. Um <laughs> But no, it's and it's true. And like, uh, I think even now in the society that we're living in, sorry, quote Joker again. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, no, but it's like where people are even paying more closer attention to how it's a it's a religious holiday. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are going to stop, you know, celebrating it. I think it's we're, this is such a ridiculous. Uh, it, what, what's the word I'm even looking for? Prediction. Is that like people are the Christmas Christmas only exists now and it's only so popular because, you know, kids love getting presents and it's a joyous time for people like the symbolism of the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and all the fun stuff. But like when you do peel the layers back and actually look at where this <laughs> where this holiday came from, it's dark as hell. Mm-hmm. So there's it's definitely ripe for some horror movies like it like really twisted shit. Yeah. Well, I hope we get to see a Christmas uh, Christmas Nicholas Humphreys directed horror movie one of these days. Yeah. That'd be great. In the near future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've uh, got four movies to look forward to this year that have not been released yet. So um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's no, that's big- exciting. You also acted in a Christmas short film last year. <laughs> Nick played a possessed Santa Claus and Jason Hamill's uh, the, the ex-missist. 
Yes, and I vomited <laughs> pea soup. I think it was all yep. over him. Yeah, I was the one. I was controlling the cannon. <laughs> I was shooting. Yeah, Jason just got here. That was amazing. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was so much fun. I'm excited for everyone to see his uh, his movie this year. I came yeah. up with the title for it, and I'm I, I I have to take credit because it's a good title. But uh, <laughs> by the time this comes out, it'll be available on YouTube. So I'll just say it now. Jason's new one, which I've seen, and it's great. Yeah. Paranormal Nativity. Yeah nice yeah i may have seen it as well i think I yeah oh he sent it to, yeah it's, it's good yeah but uh but yeah thanks so much for coming on nick this was this yeah, was a blast you. do you guys have any final thoughts on christmas evil i feel like we covered it pretty well i think if you haven't seen it if you've been sleeping on it go check it out i definitely was sleeping on it i would echo that yeah it's like it's easy to kind of lump this in with a bunch of other you know mm-hmm. sleazy christmas horror movies but there's something special about it if, if it's john waters favorite christmas movie it's probably good there's, enough for you yeah there's got to be something yeah yeah and i i do recommend uh i watched it as a part of joe bob Briggs' last drive and he did an episode on it um and it's you know it's always fun hearing the because he's a guy who is very heavily involved with horror especially in this era like you know the drive-in era when movies like christmas evil were coming out and I know Joe Bob isn't for everyone, but uh, if if uh, you know anything about him, this is like a perfect type of movie to watch with him. Uh, so it's on Shutter, and there's multiple ways you can watch it. And yeah, it was definitely great. And this is a great way to celebrate Christmas at the terror table. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for having me back. Um, I love being on. I love your guys' podcast anyways. I listen to it all the time. And you know, you, it's funny, like I sometimes worry that we're in that weird thing where like, I mean, I know Mitch, you know, I see enough of you here in Vancouver these days, but I've always felt like I was really good friends with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I'm worried that it, sometimes that it's like, well, cause I, I listen to you in the car all the time and they're not, you're not listening to me talking, but um, anytime I get together with you guys, I know that that's not, that's not how it is. And I just, yeah. yeah. Love anytime out. we all link up, it's been a great time. So yeah. yeah, always. I had fun driving around with you on the Druid's handset. Yes. Good choice on getting a Jeep, which is, you know, a great option. <laughs> Honestly, it was the only thing they had left. I think there was a supply chain issue or something with rental cars. So they gave me this beast of a, of a Jeep to drive out to Alvita. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't mad about it, but uh, it's larger yeah. than what I'm used to driving. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, Nick, where can people follow you if they want to keep up with you online and keep up with what you got going on? Honestly, uh, probably going to disable Facebook and Twitter pretty soon here, but I'm going strong on Instagram. It's just... Uh, I'm with you. I, I, is this like a right-wing like. thing? What's that? Is this like a right-wing thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was a right-wing thing, you'd be staying on Twitter. Yeah, that'd no, be you'd, you'd be going to... I'm moving to Parlor now. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've just realized the less I'm on social media, the happier I tend to be. So yeah, yeah, no, um, but I also have a website, nicholashumphries.ca. Can find you on the dgc.ca website. (laughs) You can find me on the DGC website. Yes, I am a union member now. Um, There's a movie coming out on Tubi uh, next year currently titled trap house i don't know if they're going to change it they normally do um so it might be under a different title but i will post about that and then i just shot a thriller uh for lifetime starring one of the actors from um uh, behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon wow minor of uh of uh that's cool yeah she's 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 a doll i had a great time with her so um 
That's I can't wait out. to see that one. Yeah, and it's called a podcast to die for. Yes, center around a podcast. Also, uh, when I had to like come up with a bunch of uh, handles for the uh, uh, the website that we see and like all the comments that are being left behind, um, Mitch, your your uh, Instagram handle is up there. Are you serious? I was like, who's not gonna who's not gonna come after me for including them here? So it's like you, my sister, and my friend Corey. Um, oh my god, that's hilarious! That's awesome. <laughs> Social media cameo in the podcast movie. I am honored. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, keep an eye out for all that, and yeah, obviously Nick's gonna be on here again at some point. It's always a blast, and uh, yeah, thank you all for listening, and hope everyone has a wonderful Yuletide season. And um, yeah, I guess just don't watch your parents fucking and you'll be fine <laughs> don't let your kids watch yeah it's a great lesson yeah like take a look around before you start diddling Lock yeah. the door. <laughs> yeah and yeah don't go straight living room with that shit too like that's a ballsy move yeah. uh but yeah thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the terror table we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs>